Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this opportunity to explore your word. We give you thanks for the gift of it that you speak to us. Loving God, guide us. We may be your servants this evening. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome to hopefully a slightly less cursed edition of Scripture Talk, uh, the podcast where we um, at least uh, do, at least attempt to do what we claim to do. Um, I am a Pastor Jay Comstock. With me as ever is... Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchup. And on the ones and twos. Brother Stacy Tyler. Uh, we uh, we are getting the internet fixed um, here at the Parsonage. Um, Zito is coming out tomorrow, so hopefully the next show um, will be, uh, yeah, I mean, we hope, um, will be uh, less cursed uh, than what we have had uh, recently. But um, that is a matter for another day. At the moment, uh, let us uh, look at our scripture. This evening, uh, we are looking at uh, Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Um, it is Jesus' prediction of the destruction of the temple. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. When Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mountain of Olives opposite the, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be, aff- be not, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But this, 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 but the be- this, excuse me, this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. On its surface, this is a scary scripture, um, and, and and maybe a somewhat depressing scripture about the fall of the temple, about death and destruction, but it's actually also a scripture about new life. It is not just a scripture of what is to come, um, but what is to come after what is to come. It is a, it is an apocalyptic text, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Jesus in Mark making a nod um, towards an apocalypse, but not even necessarily just about the apocalypse at the end of time, but the apocalypse that is coming for Second Temple Judaism. Second Temple Judaism, part of this prediction happens within, I don't know, 25 years of Jesus' earthly life. Jesus mm-hmm. ascends in like the mid-30s AD. Um, by the early 70s AD, the temple's no more. This large building, this great edifice in Jerusalem, <clears throat> the only thing left standing for from it is the pad that it sits on. That, and that's still there to this day. There is a building on top of it, but it's a mosque. Uh, it's the Dome of the Rock. It's not... Um, it's not the Jewish temple. And what the Jews have left is the Wailing Wall, uh, the Eastern Wall. Um, and so part of this happens immediately. And part of this happens has not has not yet happened. But it is not just any time, certainly any time the New Testament talks about death and destruction, it doesn't end there, right? The New Testament does not end on destruction. The New Testament ends on new life, mm-hmm. on the new Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And so we are not, we get really obsessed because, I mean, it sells newspapers, right? Death and destruction, sadness, you know, sad, violent things sell newspapers. We get really hooked on these images of destruction. And, but Jesus is saying, yo, 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 don't. 
His actual message is, yeah, 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 these things are going to happen. Don't be afraid. They are just the birth pangs of something better. That on the other side of all of this suffering is new life, is a better world, is Christ coming in final victory. You know, uh, having been present for multiple births, I have observed what the yeah <laughs> that that it, there there is there's a lot of pain there's a lot of turmoil a lot of uh, stuff in bringing new life in here and that's exactly what goes on uh, with what he's telling them about the temple now the temple was a massive amazing thing we have we have records of it by Josephus and other things yes yeah. five hundred yards by four hundred yards I mean that part's uh, that that's the base part yeah, right that I mean that's you can see that that's yeah. absolutely true it's massive and 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 it was you know you. You have it covered in gold. Uh, Josephus claims that the gold was so bright that when the sun hit it, you could see it for mm-hmm. miles. How it, how it glowed. So, so the fact that it was spectacular uh, goes without saying. I mean, they are just amazed by looking at the size of the stones and uh, that was used on it. And it's kind of you have Jesus, you know, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is massive. This is amazing. However, this is all going to crumble down. But what is going to be built? can't be destroyed yeah. that's kind of what's that underlying tone of what he's talking about and so you kind of have this idea of you know jerusalem and the jews at this time as, as we kind of said before had come to a place of almost idolizing the temple mm-hmm. i mean uh this is herod's temple you know been uh, hezekiah had started rebuilding it herod started renovations on it that ironically enough took about 80 years yeah and only got finished seven years they before think, it got torn down before it got torn down yeah and uh, so they were just continually adding to this thing that was becoming the center of what they focused their worship on, often in the place of God. And well, and this is, and we pick up uh, what is kind of an ongoing theme of our show this year is understand that we are more like the Pharisees than you think. Yeah. Because that's one of the things, this is part of the Pharisees' critique, is hey, this temple hierarchy, who we are not on board with, are so obsessed with what's happening in the temple, they're leaving behind everyday Judaism. They're leaving yeah. behind the actual things we're meant to be focused on um, and they're because they're so obsessed uh, with this temple, with the sacrifices. They're getting rich. Um, they're not even necessarily practicing the faith the way it should be practiced. That yes, Scripture does talk about the temple, but the temple has become... And, and, and this is where you can, you know, branch out and connect. Like, we don't have a temple, but there's a lot of places where the things of church become idolatrous. Yeah, that, uh, and that's, that's dangerous. That is dangerous because, I mean, we're not going to mention anything, but there are some churches oh, that okay, idolize well, their buildings. Well, idolize their building or idolize their status or idolize whatever, right? Yeah. Um, this, you know, the, my one of my, my favorite pieces of, of Karl Barth's theology, this idea that, you know, whatever, a huge percentage of what we do in church has nothing to do with God and everything to do with making ourselves feel comfortable, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And, and so we idolize, even if it's not buildings, it's style, it's formality, it's casualness, it's laser light shows, it's, it is whatever where, um, or, the, or even maybe the exact theology that's being preached to make sure mm-hmm. it matches exactly with what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your never challenge. Um <laughs> We like this is not an uncommon thing, and it is why you know periodically throughout the history of church, throughout the history of following after God, things have had to get blown up 
so there could be life on the other side of it. You know, this is the, you know, you can definitely call the Reformation one of these, right? And it was real, like, we talk about Martin Luther and the 95 Theses, um, and that is certainly part of it. But there's also, like, wars, and people died, and it was real rough. Um, But out of it came a new way to connect with God. But the Jews held the temple in high regard in as much that you remember when Jesus was predicting his death and resurrection, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Yeah. He was talking about his body, his own self, but they got out of, out of whack. The, it took so many years to build this temple, and you said you're going to build it in three days? I mean, it's going to get destroyed. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know it is going to get I mean, that's a historical fact, right? It does get destroyed. Of course, the Romans was, tear it down. Yeah, that was all before, uh, I mean, after what they were talking about here, but in a way, this is a great example of how Jesus's ministry came to literally tear down the old regime, yes. turn uh-huh. everything up, and that's what physically happens to the temple. And in the midst of all of this, of him telling them that, he lets him know, lets them know that they're also going to hear stories about, you know, I'm over here, I'm over there, and don't don't be dissuaded by that, don't be confused. And and it's interesting because we, we know from other gospels and reading that they haven't fully grasped what he keeps trying to tell them about he's going to die and come back and so they're not like asking questions i would be asking which is what do you mean they'll be telling us that you're somewhere why why would you be where you going (laughs) (laughs) so i i see a kind of a pattern here um with uh even going back to genesis the way uh god made everything is we have a circle of life, and things things die and, and are reborn. I mean, yep. that's why we have uh, controlled fire burns and things, that, we, we, that new things can can come from it and, and be born again from it. And I think, but I think that is, in some ways, a proper understanding of yep. what it means of an apocalypse, uh-huh. right? We get, we confuse biblical stories of an end coming and a new life coming out of that with Hollywood stories of asteroids hitting the earth. They are not the same thing, right? Hollywood loves to focus on like, you know, things that are going to kill all of life, right? Because a lot of that is reflecting on nuclear war, right? So asteroid movie, fun fact, right? Asteroid movies are reflections on nuclear war, right? In the same way that Godzilla movies are reflections on what it was for the... What it was, but like Godzilla is just a reflection on what it was to get nuked in World War II, right? Like that's what that's what a Godzilla movie is. Um, Saved by Mothra. Well, in the same way that like uh, zombies are uh, reflections on uh, like bad economic times, yeah. right? So like zombie movies do well when the economy's bad because it's actually just like reflecting. Um, oh, by the way, I found out a new one. Um, Android movies are actually reflections on Neanderthals. Okay. Okay, it's a fun fact. Um, <laughs> Uh, this was thrown out there by a game designer I, I follow on Twitter, uh, but it was an interesting interesting read of, okay, so you know how we're slightly afraid of things that looked almost like human, except they're not? In gaming, we call it the Uncanny Valley. You look at that, like, slightly off face of a video game character, mm-hmm. and it's like, that looks weird. I feel uncomfortable. Have you ever thought about why that makes you uncomfortable? Why, buried deep within your lizard brain, you are afraid of something that looks like human but isn't? It's because we used to fight a war against the Neanderthals. Um, that, that, like, there was this, like, other humanoid species out there within, like, the past 10,000 years, or X number of thousand years, um, and uh, we had to overcome them. Um, and so that's why we are slightly afraid, slightly afraid of things that look almost human but aren't. Um, and so, in the same, okay, again, 
in the same way that, again, Godzilla is about Japan getting nuked, zombies is about the bad economy, androids are about Neanderthals, um, most disaster movies in the modern day are about the fear of nuclear war, of what nuclear war could do could end humanity. That is not a biblical view of the apocalypse. No. A biblical view of the apocalypse is what Stacey talks about. It is a cycle. It is um, God hitting the reset button, um, not in the same way that God hits the reset button in, in Noah, because you know God promises never to do that, pull that exact trick again. Right. Um, but it is still about a painful time leading to a new life, not a painful time that kills every human on Earth. Right. So I, just a little side piece there. We talk Godzilla. There's a song by Blue Oyster Cult called Godzilla, and then the lyrics are, are funny. It says that history shows again and again how history points out the follies of man. Yes. And this is certainly, like, what has been built there on the Temple Mount is is a folly, right? Yeah. It is a folly. What's fascinating is it's a folly that starts out with a good purpose, right? Well, well, yeah, not just a good purpose. It was given instructions yeah. by God. So it yes. was a good thing, and it's an example yeah, of how but something the wow, good, the way, where they take the focus off of its intended purpose, right. can no longer be good. Right. Because, and also, if you think about... Why did Herod upgrade this temple? He wants the glory. Ah. Or he wanted something. (laughs) Noticed at this time, even I historically refer to it as Herod's temple. temple. So, yeah. Herod goes on this major building spree because Herod um, is not, Herod is Jewish, but Herod is is not from the house of David and thus not the right person to be ruling God's people. Yeah. He's propped up by the Romans, not by the popular will of the populace. And so Herod goes on a building campaign to do true <laughs> executive power, strive for a mandate for the masses. Not farcical aquatic ceremonies, some more retail, scimitar, me and the claim was an emperor. They locked me away. Strange women lying in some moistened bank. Anyways, my uh, true executive power is derived from the mandate from the masses. This is Herod's attempt to drive a mandate from the masses. He invests in the temple. He invests in the royal palace in Jerusalem. He builds Caesarea, um, modern-day Tel Aviv. Um, all of these things to both curry favor with the Romans, but also use Roman money to make him seem, oh, yes, no, I am super Jewish. Um, so y'all are aware that Budweiser is owned by a Belgian company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Budweiser is owned by InBev, which is Belgian. Right. Um, It's the same company that owns Stella Artois. Right? So, it was interesting to me that as soon as uh, uh, Stella, as soon as InBev bought Budweiser, they doubled down with these America cans and this, like, how American this beer is. (laughs) That's owned by Belgians. Another one of these. Um, when uh, does anyone remember the really great ad uh, with Eminem talking about how Chryslers are made from Detroit? Yes. Right. Um, and then there was this other great ad about like this Jeep manifesto about how American Jeep is. I remember that. Who owns Jeep? Who owns Chrysler? Fiat, which is an Italian company. This is all that same thing, right? This is like Budweiser being yes, no, we're super American, owned by the Belgians. Uh, we are Chrysler from Detroit. 
Well, it's, no, knowing, it's, it's knowing your audience and appealing to them and in a way to gain approval, which yes. is what all politicians attempt. Yeah. Especially outsider what, politicians yeah. trying to pretend so, to be insiders. And so that's what's going on here with Herod. Uh, another interesting thing regarding the uh, temple, um, you know, uh, a lot of historians think that the Romans destroyed it originally by accident. Sure. Because, <laughs> because, because uh, they had not amended to the destruction that it did. But uh, so a lot of them, they're at the end of the war and all that hold up inside the temple and so in a way to try to you know great roman logic to get them out well of course they set fires you know to, to smoke them out right well there's so much of the temple is laden with gold the heat of the fire melted the gold down into the cracks and so because the romans weren't going to leave all that gold they had to literally dismantle it to get to the gold that went between the blocks right. and that's how it got torn apart completely well again it show it, it, it's at the like this great irony yeah right that this entire infrastructure that went out of its way to kill jesus is over within le- within less than half a generation within one human lifetime um after all of that and they get brought down in part because of their own folly, in part because they let the Romans in in the first place, in part because they got so, you know, you see this play out. Um, and we, so some of the gospel writers are writing after the temple is brought down. Um, it's not clear if Mark is, or if Mark has started writing. Um, but certainly, uh, John is yeah. no, John is written after the temple comes down. Um, and so it, it's, it's unclear, like, it's clear this, like, prediction, it's clear that Jesus predicted this, and it's clear it's come true. We don't know if Mark's writing before or after it came true. In some ways it doesn't matter. Um, but you see in the telling of even the, the last days of Jesus' earthly life, this, like, they side with Pilate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 mm-hmm. we would never do anything against the emperor. What? What are you talking about? You should definitely be against the emperor. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. What are you talking about? Lies. This is by no means, right? This is it yeah. almost it almost kind of reminds me of modern, modern day politics AI Donald Trump. Well, I I think I rather I mean, this is this is not about modern politics. This is about politics, right? This is about this is the judgment on the temple. And why the temple falls and why Jesus predicts it and why it's going to be a good thing after that's over is because anytime you let political power of any stripe get in the way of what God wants you to do and the right worship of God, there's a problem. It doesn't matter sides or individuals, right? In this case, it happens to be about the temple. Mm -hmm. But anytime we let earthly power, which is what the temple got really into, get in the way, when that thing falls... The world's better off for it falling, even if the falling of it mm-hmm. is terrible. So and in this case, pain is a good thing because we need to go through something to appreciate the new thing. To go, it's going to come about, I'm assuming. Can I have a baby, like you said at the beginning? Because yeah. even though I haven't experienced birth myself, but I have the capability to do so. But if I did, it hurts bad. I've yeah, seen it. Sure. Yeah. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But when it's over... You forget about the pain, and there's your new baby. Right. And, and I think also what plays into where we are today is, yes, we have those moments in our life, but especially the encouragement about not getting led astray Yeah. there at the end, of being mindful and not just following every little, oh, well, this has to be God, that has to be God, this has to be God. And so this is where it goes back to that uh, priority of, 
us developing relationships yeah. so that we can notice the fake. You know, again, I know I've used this analogy before, but uh, people in the Treasury Department that work with counterfeit money spend their time with real money studying it more so than they do the ways that counterfeit can be done so that they know the real so well that they can tell the counterfeit. You just said something because the government tells us to look for things because I deal with money every day, Mm -hmm. but we are given the tools to use to make sure to tell the real from the Mm -hmm. fake. So Jesus gives us the tools by way of his word to tell the real from the fake. Gee, are we talking about discernment, guys? I mean, <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, this is not necessary. This is a scripture with discernment at its at its core, but also that it is a it is a definite like flag of not everything that claims to be God is. Yeah. Right. That if the temple can fall, then the temple itself is not God. Then God is far greater. And this, you know, this is in some ways not new theology. You know, Ezekiel yeah. deals with this too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but the God is that God is more than the temple. Um, but they got back from exile and they got they got the temple back and then they which was good, right? It started out good and then it goes awry. And then people will show up, and this has happened throughout history um, and continues to happen. People show up claiming to be Jesus, um, and it keeps not uh, not being Jesus. And so there is there is two pieces. I think it is a discernment piece. Um, but I think it is also a understanding that pain and suffering is not always a sign of a problem. Sometimes it can be a sign of a good thing on the other side. With the caveat, sometimes it is bad, right? Not all pain is good. There's not all good pain. Yeah. God can use it all, but not all pain is good pain. But we need encouragement to go through that because it seems like when I read wars and rumors of wars and kingdom against kingdom and famine and land, I'll be like, I want to bypass that part and go straight to the yeah, end. Yeah, but, but it's not how but it you works. Can't, you, you can't, can't do it. Right. <laughs> no. There's no, you know, uh, there's no, there's no, no fast track on it. Yeah, yeah. no shortcuts. And to not, and this is, you know, and this ends up being, especially as you get later and later in the New Testament, this becomes one of those like standout themes. This is the entire theme of Revelation, right? The theme of Revelation is not, look at all the suffering. No. It is. There will be suffering and it will be okay on the other side. You got to go through to get through. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and the whole aspect there also is about the overcoming. And when it, in Revelation, it talks about there becoming a new earth and all of that. Mm-hmm. It isn't so much out of destruction. It's almost an instantaneous and it reflects back to how creation was done in God's yeah. word. And it gives that idea that the old will become new, much in the same way I think a Christian becomes new when they become saved. They're in this huge flash of light, lightning, thunderbolts, at least not on the conversions I've been Right, around. yeah, yeah. It's not always. But you know. there is a newness that happens and transpires, and they truly are different. And that's how it is with God in the physical a lot of times yeah. and uh, in our spiritual walk. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's as good a place as any uh, to bring uh, this show in for a landing. Hopefully next week uh, we will have better internet. That would be, yeah. that that would be, be nice. wonderful. Um, but if you have a feedback for the show, please post it here in the Facebook comments. Uh, post it over on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can send us an email, uh, gracechurchpalestine at gmail.com. You can leave a comment over on our website, uh, palestinegrace.com slash videos. If you're looking for an audio-only version of this show, fantastic. We have one of those too. Um, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And with a little bit of luck and internet willing uh we will be back next week uh for another one of these 6 p.m on monday um go in peace love and serve the lord and fear not stay well god is with us and now we dance